Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hello, welcome. How's everybody doing out there? This is the Helping Friendly Podcast on Tour. My name is Brian Brinkman, producer here at Osiris Media. And happy November. Happy November 1st. Uh, hope everybody out there who is still in Vegas, coming home from Vegas, en route, wherever you may be, I hope that you are all happy, healthy. I cannot imagine that you are well rested right now, but uh, that will come. That's what this week is for. And uh, really excited to start to hear more detailed stories of what it was like for people uh, at the shows this weekend. Just an amazing run of fish that we're going to get into here uh, in this episode, um, which will is going live right now. And we will release this tomorrow as a podcast as well. Um, I'm going to bring on a very special guest, uh, someone who I love talking about fish with 
pretty much pretty much my favorite person to talk fish with and that will be rjb here in a second to uh run through his experience at uh, in las vegas this past weekend his thoughts on just a mind-blowing halloween set i cannot wait to get into this we haven't said a word to each other about this so i'm really excited to hear his thought his thoughts and um talk through just kind of where we're at uh going towards msg mexico and whatever is on the horizon for fish in 2022 before we do that i just want to tell everybody that we are presented by shift genuine cannabis please visit shiftcannabis.com for all your cannabis needs um especially here in the state of colorado amazing company they brought us back uh mid-summer 2021 we've been doing these recaps these daily shows as well as weekly shows all because of shift genuine cannabis we did a live show in dicks uh just did a couple live shows in the uh, brooklyn bowl in las vegas did a live show in san francisco none of this possible without shift genuine cannabis so thank you so much for all your support and lots more to come from shift genuine cannabis and hf pot and tour here going forward also want to give a big shout out to our media partner at jambase uh, they've been huge supporters of Osiris Media and huge supporters of what we do here and uh, from a larger source material in terms of jam band culture, jam band music. Um, not a better place to check out than jambase.com. So please visit jambase.com. Great writers, great thinkers over there. Awesome stuff happening. We love them. Um, really would encourage anyone out there listening, share your comments, share your thoughts, share your theories about what happened last night. Uh, we'll try to tackle as many of them as possible but before we do that i'm going to bring on the man the myth the legend mr rjb how are you my man just looked at the camera and was like wow this is what i (laughs) um you look more rested than i do even though you spent several days with your kids by yourself so i I, it's the lack of travel i think is all that it is yeah but uh but but you're looking great you look like you're in an excellent room you look like someone who's like got that glow of four fish shows uh uh, or three fish shows on three yeah intense man um last night was crazy i mean you know we kind of knew it would be we did these live events as you know yesterday and the day before and nothing that any of us said was right you know as usual um we did say fire and there was a little fire, which was cool. So it was nice to <laughs> be right about fire, but man, crazy run. Crazy run. Um, we'll get into it here. I mean, I feel like fish, you get this every so often where it feels like they just throw everything at a single run. And at the end of it, yeah. I don't know what other songs that like, you know, there are songs left on the table down with disease. Everything's right. It wasn't like a you enjoy myself. We got the loan you enjoy myself at the tour at the forum. But like I, I don't feel like had they had another show or they tried to play other songs, like it would have not, not not that it wouldn't have made a difference, but they threw everything at these shows from gimmicks yeah. to jams to really weird set listing structure. Obviously the second set from last night that we'll talk about, but like I I, I feel like I can count on like one hand in the last 10 years. 10, 12 years, moments where you walk away from a fish run and no matter what they played, it feels like they played everything. Like Dick's 2012, Magna Ball, parts of the Baker's Dozen. What were your kind of larger thoughts on the run as, yeah. as a whole? It's interesting. I hadn't thought about those songs that they didn't play, but you're right. There's a lot. I mean, last night I was with uh, our friends from No Simple Road during the third set. I went up and oh, hung nice. out with them. and it was, it was so great. And I was really, Aaron really wanted to hear you enjoy myself. And I kind of figured that that was going to happen at the end of the third set. Um, I told them either they're either going to anchor with hood or you enjoy myself. So Mm. we were, you know, 
but there's so many songs left, but it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't right. matter, you know? Um, I, the Saturday night show was interesting because I think they, I, I did the fish.net review and it's sort of like thinking that through, they kind of did the, the gimmick kind of superseded the music, I think on Saturday yeah. night, you know, um, which is, which is fine. Like it doesn't matter, Rick. It's, it's still great. But last night was, man, I mean, it was, the first set was one of the best first sets I've ever seen. I couldn't, I couldn't believe the ghost, right? Third, third song. Yeah. Everyone kind of like expected a buried alive ghost, you know, right. Was going to happen at some point. Right. And at some point in the song, I don't know when, maybe 20 minutes into it or something or 15, whatever Trey like stops. And it sounds like they're going to do something else. And then they're like, actually, let's just keep, let's just keep playing the song. They're just, yeah. I don't know. That was indicative to me that they're just, they're having a blast, you know, and they're, they're having so much fun. Um, so yeah, the songs like, like you've said before, it doesn't matter what songs they play. It's just, it's just fun. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because it, the, the one show where it seemed to matter what songs they played was Saturday. And, yeah. you know, I feel like you're right. The, the, the theme superseded the music in a lot of cases. It felt to me like a show length version of the weight joke that they used to make uh, when they were playing in clubs where they play just like a riff and then kind of just pause and go, wait, wait, we'll get that right. And then play a riff again. And like, they do it to a point where like the audience would start to be like, we get the joke. You don't need to yeah. keep doing that, but because they're fish, they're just going to keep doing it. And I felt like at the end of the first set, I was like, okay, I get it. It's an animal themed show or animal themed yeah. set. I don't know if you guys need to play another animal song. And they yeah. just like double down on it. And it worked yeah. perfectly when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Harpua and 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 the reveals that yeah. came in Harpua. But it also felt like a show length distraction to almost get people to think, well, they're going to play Animals tomorrow by Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which... Uh, the prediction game is always a losing game, as, as we've discussed. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, you know, we've talked about this before, but I just feel like the creativity and the fearlessness is really like on display you know um and i think during the second set last night it was clear like i mean who knows how long they've been practicing these songs for months months and months right, and months, right? they seem totally there was no hesitation lack of confidence they were just like we're playing our new album you know well, let's dive into it because normally i think we would step back and try to approach this run from yeah. from show run but like what you just said resonates with with where I'm at, and it gets me really excited to hear what your thoughts are on this record because everything I heard in this album musically sounded like what we've been hearing from an improvisational standpoint yeah. throughout the summer. And yeah. whereas you know you had moments like that in Wingsuit, for example, where like when they played Fuego, there's that like drum beat where it sounded like a part of there was a Choctaw torture from Dix that year. But I remember that like had that kind of rhythmic nature to it. But I remember listening to those songs and thinking, okay, perhaps the style or the the way that the band has been improvising has informed the way they've written these songs. But they're very standard forward thinking th songs. Yeah. I don't know of any Halloween that sounds like the previous year more than this, where, right. where, where you That's can hear point. those sounds bleed into whatever they wrote. Yeah. Even 2018 didn't really have that, at least in, in, in as pronounced of a way, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, like, there were moments, but it was a lot of those songs are, stand kind of on their own just as songs. These felt yeah. like they plucked ideas out of jams, 
or yeah. whenever they wrote these songs, they informed the jams. Tell me kind of overall, what were your impressions of the second set? And we'll kind of dive into it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, the first thing I've thought about is like, every song was like, okay, so this is like a new Martian monster, but slightly different, or this is like a, <laughs> this is like an updated and better version of like something else they played on Halloween four years ago, right, years right. ago you know? Um, I think people on the internet are like, of, you know, there's obviously debate about whether this was like good or not. I mean, I think that to me, not to like, you know, over generalize, but like, you know, these songs will evolve, right? They'll grow mm -hmm. and they'll become part of this repertoire. So, I mean, the songs themselves were interesting. Like, I don't really remember most of them. They were just like <laughs> playing a bunch of stuff that yeah. I never heard and it was fun. But <clears throat> any anytime they play new music whether it's like original stuff like you know the everything's right or blaze on like back in the day like once once they start playing new music it it fuels a whole new stage of creativity so apart from the you know like are these songs good or not like they're they're gonna keep pushing them forward and it's gonna push the band forward like it, it clearly already has you know um yeah. so the i mean to see like a band 35 years into their career come out on stage in Las Vegas wearing helmets and playing like a whole new album of, of like psych rock song. I mean, it's just, it's insane. The whole thing was nuts. Um, but I think the songs are solid. I mean, they seem a little bit more in the like Casper Vox area, right? Like there weren't, mm -hmm. this is not like Tom and Trey writing like deep, you know, meaningful right. songs together it's like done for halloween and then they'll turn into whatever they turn into so i had i had fun i thought it was great i thought the the i think the first song was the was the longest um yep. jam and that was it was great like i don't know i you know i didn't i didn't hear a lot of variety throughout the songs i don't know if you did like i feel like they were all kind of like like you were saying they all kind of were going in one direction yeah, I did a re-listen this morning and, you know, there's something overwhelming about hearing your favorite band debut 12 new songs. We got, you know, every time they've done this, this is now the fourth time that they've said Halloween is now a new album. You know, they've, they've literally yeah. written four new albums in the last eight years and debuted them all on a single night just for on Halloween. top of other music that's come out. All it's just absolutely music. insane. Um, no, that makes any sense. No, I, I, this, their create their creativity has, has no bottom. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. I definitely agree. I think aside from chilling, thrilling, like this feels more of a part of that. It feels somewhat like Hasvelt Vox in the sense that there's like a North central European vibe from the seventies mm -hmm. and eighties. That's like rooted in sci-fi in a really strange way. Uh, this feels like a double down on that while also double downing on the uh, like thematic jamming and, 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 and groove driven, uh, approach that, that chilling thrilling had, but it definitely felt all these songs feel like a part of themselves. There, there wasn't a song aside from the closer I'm in Miami that felt very different from each other. And that's okay yeah. because a lot of these songs to me sounded like they were either informed by or informed the improvisation that we heard throughout summer and fall. I kept hearing yeah. moments where I was like, you know, that sounds like 
that this version of Ruby Waves. That sounds like the simple from Dix. This sounds like the simple from Deer Creek. You know, there were so many moments yeah. where I was I was hearing that aspect of the band. My biggest takeaway beyond that, though, was I felt and I heard a lot of odes to their um, their biggest influences. I, I heard King Crimson. Hmm. I heard Gabriel Era Genesis. I heard Yes. I heard Pink Floyd. And where I think a lot of people are coming down on is this good or not is at the root of it. And this is kind of what makes fish so interesting. They can emulate their influences and the people that they've long loved, but they're still fish. Like at the end of the day, it's still ridiculous that a bunch of 57 year old men are wearing space helmets on stage and singing self referential lyrics about sleeping monkey and, and, and writing like what sounds like almost mad lib style lyrics that that remind me of wombat but across a whole album type of thing yeah yeah and so like on the one end i and and i i felt this last night on twitter and i felt it this morning hearing people's thoughts is there's either a view of they didn't go far enough into it because at the end of the day they're fish and that's like they're still going to have that goofy nature um or it was too far into it Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like quote fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think like long term, these songs are going to linger as really good grooves that will, that almost will remind me of um, like Death Don't Hurt Very Long in yeah. the sense that I don't yeah. know how many of these songs are going to last as like the length that we've heard them, but I think a lot of them will kind of inform jamming going forward as you were talking about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is for people who write and talk about fish like us, you know, this is it's not great for us because like this all is very hard to describe at this point. <laughs> you just you kind of summarized everything just now in a good way in terms of their influences and stuff. But it's like, you know, the whole weekend was just about them keeping us confused, you know, and that's like right. part of the fun. So like it's hard to not end up at just like. I don't know. It's just fun to go to these concerts and see what they'll do. (laughs) There's a certain like, you know, you do it. We all, a lot of us do it. Like, okay, so tonight's going to be the night we'll hear X, Y, and Z songs. And like, if you don't, that's fine. But you kind of like, there are patterns, right? Sure. Right now, there are like no patterns. I mean, none of it makes sense. It's really hard to like wrap your head around. I, I think we did these, you know, the events we did this weekend. I think all of us said we were confused like multiple times, you know, Benji and rest of our team we're it's so crazy um but i think the the music itself is it's almost like like you said it's kind of like going back backwards you know like Mm -hmm. in terms of influences like that was much more like 60s 70s influence you know whereas like cast box was like a little bit more you know 80s Um, yeah (laughs) i mean it's just do you think that they're listening do you think Trey in particular is like listening to a lot of King Crimson, Pink Floyd? Like, do you think they're, or do you think that's just like part of their musical DNA that that's just part of them because it's clearly coming through? Yeah. I mean, I think that that question gets to the, like the heart of like an, an endless debate that we'll probably never understand from the band is what is intentional and what just is spontaneous and just happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got to imagine when you think about the last 20 months of all of our lives, um, 
when there was no live music, when there was no, when there were no sports, there was, you know, nothing really to entertain us in the spring and early summer of 2020. I think a lot of music fans, I know I did this, just went back into our libraries of music and said, what do I listen to? What do I explore? And I wonder, you know, someone who's already listening to so much music like Trey, how much of that period in time was spent hearing music he either hadn't heard in years, maybe decades, or just spending time inside of other bands' heads. And I think about like, you know, Lonely Trip, there's a lot of really weird and complex songs on that record. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for whatever people think of like forward people, it's a very composed, strange song. Um, Yeah. Page made this very weird, isolated synthy record based off of a trip to Iceland. Um, Mike is constantly saying, how do I take eight different songs that shouldn't be combined and figure out a way to combine them? And then, you know, Fishman's drumming is just at another level right now. So, you know, I, I, all of that to me leads to what was the music that got them into music originally. And we've talked to Tom a lot about this, about like the time that he and Trey spent sitting in friends' basements, listening to early Genesis records, listening to yes. Um, I think you're right. The Casual Vox stuff felt to me like the band starting to think about their past and kind of recreating what would it be like if we found this album that influenced us, that came out around the same time, but the band never made it. Yeah. And this stuff um, that we heard last night, Get More Down, um, which is a really good album title for Fish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounded to me like they took a further step back in time and said, how do we figure out a way to intentionally or not take our influences and apply them where we are right now without covering a Genesis record, without covering yes. How do we recreate this based on where we are as a band in 2021? One thing about the, the influence. So the prolific songwriting of, of Trey in particular, but like you said, Mike, you know, we heard like Mike has a new album. Mike has a lot of new material. They're all obviously prolific musicians, but the fact that they, instead of just like covering an amazing album, like any of the ones you mentioned, they wrote another 12 songs, right? I mean, Trey's written 50 songs, maybe more in the past year since the beginning of the pandemic. I've lost, I've lost complete. I mean, you I go mean, back to 2013 and they've like in, introduced 80 songs into the fish. It's amazing. And, and like, like I said, I mean, obvious point, but like it really, really, really adds to the repertoire and I think pushes them forward improv wise. I think what we're, what we saw this summer and this fall in terms of improv is directly because of this album. Right. Yeah. I'd agree. I mean, so if you're like on the internet and you're really pissed that fish did this album, then, you know, you got to look at the last five or six months of fish and realize like, that's where it all came from. Like that's a connection that to me seems pretty clear. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if there's like a little bit more looking back nostalgia in terms of songwriting. Like I'm sure you've listened to the new war on drugs record that came out last week. Like Only a dozen times. Is, <laughs> it's such a clear, like Springsteen, there's a Springsteen line to that, to that record, you know? And it's like yeah. bands are, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's okay to go back and like pay homage to, to some of these artists that have influenced you. And I think, I feel like that's what we heard last night. Um, you know, the, the thing about going to these shows is like, at least at least from my perspective, like there, it's really hard to find someone who's not having a complete and total 
blast out of this show. <laughs> like, I, I don't think people are, I mean, last night the, during the second set, everyone was just like having a great party. You know, I, I don't think anyone was like analyzing the music and like, is this the right thing or wrong? Like in the moment, it doesn't matter. You're just having fun and, and happy to be at a concert. Um, I don't, I didn't really like, I don't think people really, I think the playbill, you know, that I haven't read it yet, but like there's, it's like pretty, there's a lot of content in there. It's, it's like, a there's a lot of layers to this thing. Like the band literally, yeah. like they, they thought this out from a storyline standpoint, from a overall so setting, silly. from like everything they, they, they put so much thought into it. I mean, I'm curious. The only Halloween I've seen was Cows Vote Boxed. And, from my experience, that was really well received. A lot of those songs had kind of a indie rock hook, like hooky yeah. nature to them that I didn't hear a ton of from previous Halloweens. And we didn't hear a lot of from, you know, a lot of like recent fish songs. Um, and I seem to remember the, the venue was loving it, but also like you said a couple minutes ago, like these are 10 to 12 new fish songs. It's kind of hard to process that and be at a concert. Like there's a lot going on yeah. mentally. I know that last night, like I posted something about my thoughts on the show, which I basically summarized a couple of minutes ago. And our good friend, Brad Tenbrook just responded with total dance party. And I was like, that's like the <laughs> contrast between like sitting on your couch and thinking like, okay, what is the band doing? What does this song mean? What, what, what am I hearing here? How do I communicate this? And someone just at the show being like, dude, I'm just getting down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that is kind of, you know, that, that, that's my perspective too. Um, it's, yeah. it kind of gets back to that comment that Trey made in bittersweet motel where he's, you know, he's sitting in his, his truck saying, you know, there's aspects of the Grateful Dead I love. There's aspects of Boston that I love. Like I'm informed by music that I heard at the mall in the 1970s and 1980s. All of their influences are ultimately filtered through who they are, which is not where their influences came from. And that's personally what I hear when I heard this record is, is a band channeling the music that they love, which yep. is inherently weird. It's inherently rhythmic. It's kind of absurdist it has a groove to it but the groove is like rooted in this more like mathy approach to rock and roll you know there's like a prog yeah. nature to it but at the end of the day it's a band that highlights their drummer in a dress playing a vacuum cleaner multiple times a tour not really this tour but like multiple times a tour and that's like a, a thing about fish that none of their influences really do like fish yeah. utilizes humor in ways that sometimes aren't very funny, but are inherently funny because it's fish in a way that none of their influences do. I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> I say yes, yes to all that. Um, I do think there's Justin Bruce just, just asked a question, which made me think reflect a little bit more on, on the, Maybe they were maybe they were listening to a lot of this stuff and actually going back and thinking about it and and paying I mean it's clearly paying attention and and there's there's certainly like a feedback loop that's getting to them you know through various channels right they're like they know what we're talking about on the internet not not us personally but you know people um, so that's that's definitely getting to them but I also just like I don't know. I don't really see Trey as someone who would like sit down and listen to the Allman Brothers anymore. I feel like he's like right. so forward looking that I don't know. It's interesting to think about just like go and like 
put on Eda Peach and just fucking kick back? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it gets back to kind of what we were talking about. I, well, I think of two thoughts. One, I think there are so many licks that are just ingrained in Trey at this point in time. Yeah. And I think Mountain Jam True. licks are like, he's played that so many times. Um, think about stylistically, like the choices that he was making in late 2019 after playing Layla. You know, he appreciates that era of classic rock because that's his childhood in the same way that you and I appreciate like, you know, hearing alive by Pearl jam, you know, and, and if if we were playing in front of 20,000 people were showing up to watch you and I play music and create an album and wear spacesuits, I'm sure that we would play a lot of like late eighties, early nineties, you know, uh, rock licks. Yeah. Um, So I think it's like ingrained in Trey. And I also think in a sense, like it goes back to just like a theory I have that, the pandemic probably pushed him to listen to a lot of these records that are from his past that he hadn't listened to in some time. And so I I think there's, there's part of that. I feel like Eda peach has entered thriller animals. um, You know, these records that every fan wants to hear them play and they're never going to play. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so just like an ongoing joke for them. Yeah, like the 2013, right? The, the night before Halloween or the show before Halloween. That was like, right. you know, definitely happening. They have definitely to happen. be playing. There's no way they can't because they just did an incredible jam off of Mountain Jam. Yeah. So uh, my friend Gerald, who's um, watching on Facebook. Hey, Gerald, it was yeah. nice to hang out with you the other night. I was hanging out with Gerald in 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 the aisle next to his seat when I when I when I encountered this unfortunate individual who kept like getting in in my area and would not leave me alone and it was very invasive and uh so gerald sorry i didn't say bye but i had to like go <laughs> you had to just work. get out of there but um the 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 timeline so we yeah. interviewed trey for live again in started those in march and he he didn't say anything about halloween you know in those interviews but we talked about wings we talked a lot i mean there was a lot of stuff as you know that that didn't make it on the podcast and he did say something about Halloween and not what they were going to do or what they weren't going to do, but I forget exactly what he said, but it was, it was to the effect of like, you know, this is how we kind of think about this, this thing now. And that made me think that they were already planning it. So that was six months ago. Um, well, and there was a Fishman interview from I think late June, early July Mm-hmm. where he talked uh he talked about them rehearsing but not rehearsing for tour rehearsing for halloween yeah yeah so do, this has nothing to do with curveball right because there was like remember the the disco ball and the, like there was like a curveball thing that never happened but i, I think that's i think that turned happened. into casvote vox songs i think a lot oh, of those was, okay. initial grooves okay. like turtle on the clouds we are come out live our brains play by play that was, okay. a, a lot of those initial grooves came out of segments that were written for the disco ball set yeah. um that will pour one out for curveball the festival that what a, what a weird what a tragedy um so so at least at least since the beginning of the year probably they knew that this was happening yeah and i think um the way it works in my brain, and I, I think it'd be very fascinating to hear how how it's different from how it works in the band's brain, is 
they got together, started writing these songs, found that these songs were informed by new equipment that Trey and Paige in particular were playing in, uh, a new leveling up that Fishman had gone through from a drumming standpoint. And because they were never going to give away the album, like there was no way they were ever going to give this album away. It's kind of the beauty of writing a new album is there's no real chance of anything leaking or any fan being like, you can have fans that say, Oh, that sounds like mountain jam or, Oh, that sounds like uh, Pink Floyd's animals. But like, if they're not going to play those albums, they don't risk giving anything away months in advance that they could almost use the sounds that they discovered and just jam off of them throughout summer and fall and see where that led them. That that that's what makes sense to me. Yeah. Twenty four hours after that, I I don't know if that's entirely true, but but that's kind of where I'm I'm taking it from right now. I like that. I like that. I mean, we should talk about the run in general a little bit because there's so yeah. much good music. Um, And now a word from our friends at Shift Genuine Cannabis. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. So I missed the 28th, but that was like, I mean... 28th and 29th were both really, really amazing shows with, with yeah. a lot of revisiting potential. There's a lot to go back to. Yeah, without diving too deep into it, because I think we could probably talk for the next two and a half hours about just the 28th and 29th. Um, opening with 2001 was, it felt like a statement of itself. It was the first time since uh, 922.99, and instead they took what was just an exciting opener and jammed it for 16 minutes which seemed to be both connected to what we've heard throughout this year where anything can jam at any point in time you know we've been hearing that in lead-ups to the show the chula vista fluffhead the santa barbara pebbles and marbles but it just felt like wait you're gonna jam 2001 to open up your halloween run in las vegas like watching the stream I mean, my wife texted me from the show and was just like it is so loud in here right now like six minutes into 2001 <laughs> that's so great <laughs> i mean do you think that they so they so they did the numbers obviously which i think was that was like that was a perfect execution of a, a, an elaborate prank you know it, it like it worked perfectly um yeah, I, I would say, were... and I didn't think they'd ever be able to do this, but it worked on the level of the Fuck Your Face show, where the set True. list yeah. matched the plane, matched the gag in such a perfect way. Well, so do you think that they were going to do something Friday that they decided not to do? Or do you think that they what were going to just, like, do you think they woke up Friday and were like, actually, let's not do the animals thing tonight. Let's do that tomorrow. <laughs> let's just, like, play a regular show. Because it's kind of a funny choice to, like, 
do a, you know thursday saturday and then like friday or is it just like a, an amazing show it's a good question I, my, I don't know, but my interpretation is that they had worked it out that Friday and or Thursday and Saturday were going to be the gag shows and that part of the part of the purpose of Friday was to play a normal fish show, mm-hmm. which nothing's normal now, but to play a normal fish show that would almost throw off the scent where coming out of Friday, you know, midway through the set, the first set on Friday, you were like, wow, this is a great show. But clearly there's no theme, whatever they did on Thursday, who knows if it has anything to do with, with Halloween. Um, it was just kind of a good way to get people just listening to a fish show again and thinking deeply about the music rather than about like, what are they trying to say? And then they come out Saturday and they're like, actually everything has to do with an animal tonight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the 19, the 1999, 2001 was just, Man, that was so perfect and just worked so great. Um, yeah. I really loved the the 29th. I thought the the whole show, I mean, the you know, this is kind of like what happened to us in San Francisco with Frankie Says, right? You get a 21-minute yeah. Axilla Part 2. It's like, of course. Like, I definitely thought that was <laughs> happening. And then it did, you know? Um, the Saturday show was interesting. I mean, you know, I, I saw my first versions of a lot of songs. But... Wow. If they hadn't done the themed show on Saturday, I think it would have ended up being like a Saturday night show where like they're kind of searching through stuff, trying to like find those spots of improv, which is interesting because it seems like this tour, at least almost every show, it doesn't seem hard for them to find those spots. But Saturday, I don't know if it was like in service to the thing where they were like, all right, now we need to play another animal song. But besides the Your Pet Cat, Runaway Jim, Piper kind of segment, there wasn't a lot, you know, there wasn't a lot of improv. Um, but like we've talked about, that's like, I mean, you kind of had the same thing at the forum, right? I mean, there's there's probably more improv there, but it's like, it all has to, all those things have to happen in order for the things that we want to happen to happen. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. And I think, you know, there's also, I was texting with a pe- few people about this during Saturday's show, like, look, if fish wants to play first sets, like they've been playing this tour for the rest of time, like I'm on board, but, and there's not a downside to this, but like, I, I find myself just like extremely overwhelmed and confused by set break every single night. And I feel like the only way to describe these shows as someone who, you know, comes on camera to describe fish shows is just to speak in hyperbole. And and yeah. I have the hardest time. Like I walked out of the Chula show, just like feeling like my, like my jaw didn't work. Like I couldn't actually put into words what I had seen. And that's an amazing feeling. But it was kind of nice to watch Saturday's show, where it was just like, here's a song, and yeah. here's another song. Yeah. And yes, these are all tied together as animals. But yeah. like beyond that, what does it mean? Um. So it it, it was it was kind of a. <laughs> It was an interesting experience to be like, oh, yeah, this sometimes can be what a fish show is like where yeah. they just play songs and you don't know what yeah. they're going to play. And you're not seeing the same show as last night or the same show as the next night. But um, I don't know. I Part of me thinks they. Like I said earlier, it was a very fishy thing to do to say, yeah, we're just going to own the bit for the entire yeah. night, even yeah. though you're all going to get the bit 
yeah. by three songs in and we probably don't need to do this any further but we're just gonna do it because we're just gonna do it anyway we're just gonna keep screwing with you guys i think um big black furry creature from mars that was the point where like i was just watching them and i you know i haven't seen that song very much i mean it's like if you're listening to a live show i don't know like i always go through the whole show and listen to it but like that's yeah. a song that like i can i can definitely do without that song um listen back you know um just because it's like you know it, it's it's a it, it's fine listening back but during that song on saturday night i could, you could see them just having so much fun like knowing that they were like trey in particular he was like so pleased with himself for like pulling this prank on the on the audience and like during that song just because it's so silly and ridiculous that's where i like looked at all of them and was like they're like they're loving this you know they when they know something that we don't that's like really special for them i think there's you know it's interesting they trey's talked recently a lot about like the importance of the community right he he we've heard him say that over and over right like they feel like they're part of this community too they just happen to be up on stage and and I, I do believe they feel that way and i think like something like saturday where they have this thing that they're it's just like playing a prank on your friend you know it's like super fun and once they get it like everyone laughs and you know they've been doing this forever but i feel like now probably partially with technology partially with like the way this community has evolved like they they love to they like treat us like we're part of an extended yeah. family. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think yeah. that's how they think about it. And I'm sure that, you know, Trey and Tom have been playing pranks on each other their whole lives. Right. So right. like we're right. in on this with them. And I don't know when you, when you see those moments where you realize that you're like part of this with them, it's pretty cool. I want to highlight a comment that speaks to that. Uh, Courtney Johnson said, if anything they do fails to translate, it generally ends up in a net gain. The fact that they continue to take the risks says so much. I could not agree with this more. Like this is yeah. the fact that we're sitting here trying to understand what happened while also knowing that we're going to continue listening to this band and that yep. whenever they play these songs off this new album, it's going to feel a toss back to fall 2021, the Vegas run, this Halloween show, while also being an evolutionary step forward. And that you can all but guarantee a year from now, there's going to be some gag, some joke, some prank that none of us can predict that the band is going to play on us, just like has happened in every other year of Fish. And it's going to add that much more to this experience that is really hard to communicate outside of the fish community and is partially that's part of the reason why like you have to be in on all of these jokes that lay that level up year after year after year to really be to get to get the most out of it you know yeah and and yeah. i feel like at the end of the day i was thinking about this during harpua it felt like a throwback harpua to the early 90s where you had all this mixture of mathematics and space and, you know, game hinge theory and, and, and riffs on this song and, and Trey and Kuroda like coordinating in terms of like when the lights are going to come on during the story. And all of it leads up to, you know, a moment where everybody checks their phone at a fish show, like the ultimate 
do not do this to see what is Mitch going to play tomorrow. And it's just like another element to the prank. Like, I don't know. There's just so much in there that, uh, that the band is, is thinking about in terms of how they want to communicate where they're at in their career, but also how they want to just like interact and have fun with us. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's like a level of fearlessness that the band has, which is, you know, I think it's, it's probably a lot harder than we think to like go out and play concerts in front of thousands of people every night and like think about whether those people are going to have a good time and are you going to like, you know, do a good job like any of us when we do our jobs. Right. And the fact that they just go out and they're just like, they're just so confident, you know? And I think that that comes from taking risks. Like I think you, you take risks, they work, that gives you more confidence and you keep, keep pushing it forward. So this is, um, it's a pretty cool time to be a fan. I can't like, you know, say enough, like this is just outrageous, you know, 35 years later. Um, I, 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 like I saw my first show in 95, right? So that's 26 years ago. There's no way if like after that show, you had said to me, you know, in 25 years, you'll, first of all, you'll still be seeing this band and they'll be doing things that you don't expect. Like, that's just, it's so rare, you know? I mean, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I often think like, like the fall of 95, I often think that fish could have walked off stage on December 31st, 95, never played another show. And we'd still be talking about them and we'd be, but we'd be talking about them as like a nineties relic in the way that we talk about like, you know, pavement and Nirvana and, you know, a lot of like indie rock and grunge that, that, that came up through that period in time. The fact that they've lasted, I always go back to Coventry. I was 19 years old at Coventry. I, I was seeing my seventh and eighth fish show. Um, and I was like, like, I'm still in college and I'm about to lose like my favorite band, like a band that has meant I, at that point in my life, like I loved music, but I'd never discovered a band like Fish. And I felt like I was just understanding the band and then they break up. And I remember just like walking away from the stage that night, just being like, I I don't know what the rest of, you know, how, how am I going to find something that is this meaningful from a musical entertainment standpoint? And then they come back and they go through this like rebirth regroup. Like they set the foundation again and they rebuild from it. And it takes, you know, a number of years to get back to a level where people are like, okay, this is comparable to where they were. But in 2021, the idea of them making an album like they did or presenting an album like they did last night, it it makes me feel so grateful for their health, their friendship, their ability to um their ability to continue to find new avenues of creativity and communication and 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 their ability to you know just walk out on stage with the confidence you're talking about and present that to their fans knowing that even if there are parts of the community that don't like it parts of the community that love it we're going to trust the risks that they're taking. And we know that like Courtney said a couple of minutes ago, those risks end up in a net positive, no matter yeah. what happens. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a fan. Um, yeah. I think the, uh, just going back to, to the, what we talked about earlier. I mean, this is, none of this is possible without this album, you know? So, so I, I, I'm <laughs> looking forward to re-listening to it a bunch of times because 
you know, the Deer Creek show and the Nashville show and the AC shows. I mean, that's all fueled by this, by this creativity, which is really cool. Um, I want to go just back to last night. Um, yeah. So I guess Trey was playing a BC Rich guitar. <clears throat> BC Rich Mockingbird is what it's called. Um, it's weird yes. because it sounded exactly like his rig, which I guess is maybe the point. But I wonder if people out there who know more about guitars like that, we could ask Ryan. But to me, like it sounded like his normal rig. Yeah. Um I was following Amar Sastry, our good friend, on Twitter last night, and uh, he he joked around that he was going to send a little snippet of one of the songs from last night out to people and say, man, doesn't the Languedoc sound so great? And then when they came back and said yes, he was going to say, well, actually, your life is a complete lie because he was playing on a BC Rich Mockingbird, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which I laughed at at like 1130 at night more than I, I, I should have. But um you know, I've got to imagine he spent so much time refining what this guitar would sound like within his current rig. Um, there were moments where it, it felt like unique. I mean, I think that when we hear these songs again, he's going to obviously be playing them with his Languedoc. It's kind of similar to the Casvote box. He played that with a um, with a Strat. And then all those songs are played with a Languedoc. So they there's like a, a sound to Casvote Vox that when you hear it in the album... And then you hear it fish playing it months, years later. It sounds slightly altered, but I, I, I thought it was really impressive that he was able to get that much sound out of this. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how any of that works, but they definitely pulled it off in a way that was, <laughs> you know, also entertaining, you know, the colors. And um, I was I actually was slightly surprised that there wasn't more production. Like, it's interesting. They haven't really done that in Vegas since. 96 i guess like actual you know like you think of vegas there's you know dancers and yeah trapeze artists and you know thousands of people here who would gladly go and make a a show um it's interesting like the the pyrotechnics and the you know the lights that all worked well but i wonder if that's like i mean i I assume that's just like a much bigger production than than i think it is but then but it's also like a new year's kind of thing usually not a halloween thing yeah, I mean, I don't know like the cost associated with it. I was talking with a buddy this morning who um, made a comment that like what you're saying just kind of strikes back to it where he was like, think about it. There are bands that do complete tours based around the stage setup, pyrotechnics, the set list that Fish does or Fish did last night and Fish put everything into one show, you know, and yeah. in true Fish fashion, there were things that didn't work. Yeah there were things that could have probably been more, you know, emphasized. They were probably, but like they, they threw everything into one performance and that's it. It lives there. And we will only hear those songs in, you know, a standard. And I say standard in quotes, a standard fish show going forward. Um, it's same thing with new year's Eve. They're going to, whatever they're working on for new year's Eve is going to happen one time. And it's the type of stage production that could be done across a 25 show tour (laughs) that they did night after night after night and perfected and elaborated on. But instead, like they put everything into that one show. It's just, it's an amazing feat of both creativity and also risk taking and also like an acceptance that like, that's it. And we're walking. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they're going to like, this is kind of a, I think 
Halloween is sort of like a reset in a way. Like they're going to, you know, come away from this. And then there's, you know, a few more shows at the end of the year. Um, do you think that, uh, that this will just continue? I mean, you know, it's kind of an obvious question, but like, do we just, do we continue to hear the same kind of songs in the, the same kind of like, I mean, everything's so disorienting in terms of song choices and set lists and like all that. Is it just going to continue? I was thinking about that last night because this record reminds me of, um, at least in first glance, of Story of the Ghost in the sense that you you wrote, they wrote all these songs and recorded all these songs based off of this singular sound from 1997. And whenever you hear Ghost, whenever you hear Frankie Says, whenever you hear the MoMA dance, like that's probably the best example. You're literally hearing 1997 Fish packaged in a singular song. And how cool is it that this these sounds that we heard from the very start of tour, the simple in, in Arkansas, for everything anyone wants to say about the Arkansas being slow, being sloppy, being in Arkansas, whatever you may want to say, that simple previews everything we're about to hear from Fish musically. If you go back and listen to it, it's only like 14 minutes, but there's moments you get into where you're like, wow, that is all you know this jam this jam this jam the the weird jamming throughout every set um the halloween set now uh now we have an album that takes those sounds and has condensed them all into songs and so every time we hear these songs however long fish plays we're going to be hearing 2021 fish i think the cool thing will be now how does because the band's going to keep trying to evolve you know, they're probably going to come out for for MSG with some new tech that they're going to try to incorporate. Some of it may not work. They're going to come out next summer. They're going to come out in Mexico with new tech. And some of it may work. Some of it may not work. Some of it that works will sound totally different because that's where their head's at at that point in time. But every time they play these songs, it's going to be kind of a launch pad into whatever the band was doing in 2021. So to, to summarize, like my thought right now is, if there's any historical reference we can go back to, it's how did 1997 turn into 1998 where suddenly summer 1998, you're hearing songs off story of the ghost that are song versions of jams from the previous year and how those changed the band and how the sound evolved in a different way. Like the focus the band had coming out of 97 was not funk. It was more minimalism. And it was how do we take this approach that's very democratic and reduce it to as simple of an approach as possible, which is where you get like the ambient jam. It's where you get the groove based jamming of 99 and 2000. Hopefully this has more legs than that did. You know, at that point, by the end of the decade, the band needed a break. I don't really see Fish needing a break right now. Like they just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think so either. It's an interesting, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's all, that all makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, you know, it's all part of the same, you know, cycle, right. Of, of new music and how that bleeds over. Um, the main thing though, is like, go see this band if you can. Um, it's really fun and they're really good. And that that's, that's kind of my summary. <laughs> that's it you know it's pretty it's pretty elaborate but um i've been thinking about that for a long time um, <laughs> you, you put it out there perfectly yeah um, where, where do you think this where do you think this stands in terms of halloween's without showing any cards i've thought a lot about halloween recently and 
my the thing that I take away the most from Halloween's is how the band at their best applies it as a way to kind of force a change or, or force them to to evolve in some ways. So to me, having listened to this record twice, once live, trying to figure it out, once this morning, um, I have it with like Casual Box, Chilling Thrilling, uh, Remain in Light in terms of a record that will 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 force a singular sonic change for the band in a lot of ways um but in some cases and i don't know how this is going to go over when i say it but like i almost think that they took as big of a risk last night as they did when they played wingsuit like yeah. think about how ridiculous they were in freaking spacesuits with helmets that had like lights blinking on them they're like 60 years old they sound <laughs> like they wrote like lyrics via mad lib like they went yeah all in on this and it could have just failed miserably yeah and everyone could be like what the like to have that foresight and to have that confidence like you were talking about to say we're gonna do this and we're gonna own this completely i don't know like that that to me is what they did on 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 halloween 2013 where they said we're gonna completely change how we approach halloween and we're gonna present you a new album and you may not yeah. like it, but this album is going to, the, or the approach here is going to inform and, and help us change and evolve as a band. I don't know. Do, do you yeah. agree? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, you know, it's hard to, like you, you mentioned the last three Halloweens and this is probably going to continue. They're going to, they're going to keep taking, you know, taking this creativity and, and using it to fuel other, other parts of the, tour it's just kind of how trey approaches music based on what i know you know there's there's not a lot of looking back it's like what's the next thing you know and that that's that's the next thing i mean it's totally absurd we've talked about it a lot but like it's completely um it's just completely silly like these guys are almost 60 they're on stage wearing space suits and helmets and playing original music and there's like fire in the background i mean Looking at some of the pictures, I, I was on the on Mike's side and um, I had a pretty good view of the stage, but I couldn't see them up close. So looking at like Renee's yeah. pictures from this morning, it makes it even more silly. Like it's so fucking yeah. silly. Like you see Mike <laughs> and Trey with, with their spacesuits. I mean, it's just like whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is they're they're going to keep doing things like this, and and it's great. And I'm so like happy that they're that they're doing it. And that we get to we get to hang out with them. It's just so silly. Right. They must be. Journey. I'm pretty tired after three nights. They must be exhausted. Like, I feel like this must take so much emotional and physical energy out of you to, to try to pull this off and then actually do it. Yeah. The only thing I have to think with regards to that is that they are catered to, or they, they have like a set schedule from the time that they wake up until the time that they go to sound check and then go on stage that like is almost like an athlete in that standpoint. Whereas like, yeah. You and I on a run are like, well, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to go out and have some lunch. And I'm going to go and see these people and all those things like taking mental toll on you leading true, up to true. eight o'clock at night when the band walks on stage. Whereas I think there's a lot of isolation that they're, um, that's uh, a good point that they're going through. But um, really simple question before we go, we we've talked about like trying to wrap our brains around like yeah. meaning about where fish is at right now. Did you have a particular jam from this run that like 
just stood out for you and that you just were, you were in the zone, like the, the RJ zone where the arms are up, where you got a just ridiculous smile on your face, where you're jumping around, where you could hug everyone around you. Um, what was, what was that jam? Um, I think for me, it was probably the Axela from Friday night, just because it yeah. was so absurd to, to find yourself in that, in that spot. Um, <laughs> that and the tweezer from, from Friday night were my two kind of highlights musically. I thought last night was one of the best first sets I've ever seen. Like it just, it worked really well. There was yeah. like the ghost was incredible. Um, but the Friday night show was just kind of everything you would want in a show. Like there's some unpredictability and some really, really deep, deep exploration um, songs that you wouldn't expect. So that, that, that's, that's where I'm going back to. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, that was, I tweeted it out at the time, like when I was a lot younger listening to fish, I would write like dream set lists out mm -hmm. and none of them ever came true until like fall 2021, you know? Yeah. And yeah. like the, the reality of like, we're not only going to play Axela two, which is a song we retired in 1995. So we're going to bust that out and then we're going to play it again, but we're going to play it for 21 minutes because it has this great outro and we know that we can jump on this and turn it into a jam. Yeah. Um, I think like to that point, Friday's show, I'm just looking at the set list for what was the only fish show of the run that didn't seem to, at least to this point, have any clues or any hints. It was just a fish show. Yeah. It's a pretty perfect fish show. It's pretty great, man. I mean, going the Brad and I all weekend, we're just re reliving Sigma Oasis, which was, you know, toward the end of the end of the show. And it was just so such a great call after that like whole journey of of improv and the walk away after that i mean it was like the way they ended it was just it, it was a perfect show um oh. that that's the way that's the way i feel about it that's it um i i do want to can we can we show um this comment from youtube yeah. it's interesting because <clears throat> um thanks for tuning in um didn't live up to the expectations i think there's something I think these songs have to evolve. I mean, Casper Voxed was kind of perfectly executed from the from the start. Like that yeah. show is an album, right? I mean, it was it became an album. It's like that's these these songs felt a little bit like they they do need some more time. I think um, I'm sure we'll hear a couple of them over the New Year's run, and they'll probably be different, slightly different, and better. 
Yeah, and I think there's a lot of fairness in this criticism, and, and we we were talking about it a bit ago. I'll, I'll just highlight it again. Like, I I talked with a couple of close friends who love fish who were not feeling this album uh, uh, last night, and their rationale was very similar to this: was when they saw the comic book, when they saw the setup inherently your expectations are going to go to a certain place of oh my god fish is going to play this style of music and and i don't think you can fault anyone for the for expectations we all talk about going into fish shows without expectations every single fish show i go to i kind of want to hear something you know like that's just like the that's like human nature um and i think like my my rationale for why i loved last night was that they were going for something that they're never going to get to because they're fish and and it's ultimately filtered through who they are as artists and as people. And so the sounds that I heard them going for, they achieved to a certain degree. But at the end of the day, like, they're still singing absurdist lyrics that are riddled with kind of like wink, wink jokes that you kind of don't want in some of these songs, but also like that's fish at the end of the day. Like that's, that's who the band is. So I don't disagree with peace Arge here. I, 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 that's just kind of like how I, how I interpreted it was it's, it's always going to be the band like reaching for something that they simply can't attain because they're that they're, they're not any of these other artists that they're trying to, to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, no disrespect to any of the bands who played shows on Halloween last night, but a lot of them did. And I think every single band that plays a Halloween show did like some kind of cover thing, right? You cover a band or it's a themed cover, you know, (laughs) show like hundreds of bands did that last night, right? It's really hard to imagine another band covering uh, themselves and playing completely new material. I mean, it's just a totally different level of songwriting and confidence and musicianship and everything else. It's just, it's outrageous. So that that's, that's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around, but we're, we're like deep in it. So I don't know. I think some like time reflecting on it is going to make that even more clear for me. Yeah. And if we know anything about fish, it's that we're going to spend, <clears throat> we're going to spend the next two months trying to figure this out. Someone inevitably is going to re-listen to this album and post something that they just heard to Twitter. And it's going to lead to a conversation and all of this is going to lead up to their final run of the year where they're going to, at some point play one of these songs for the first time. And it's going to then become a part of the larger fish universe. And this moment in time is going to evolve with wherever the band goes from here we'll keep we'll keep talking about it we will keep talking about something i mean this <laughs> just like fodder for us to have discussion uh, um, so great well uh rj this has yeah. been a total pleasure breaking this yeah, down i know fun, that you've got to fly back to the east coast and yep. uh reimmerse yourself in parenting and family something. life after two weeks of i'm really glad that we got the shows that we got at dicks that we got the san francisco show that we got i'm really glad that i got the uh phoenix chula la run that i did i'm really glad you got vegas like i think we when you when you think about where we're at november 1st 2021 you think about where we were a year ago the idea that not only did fish just debut a brand new album of crazy 
sonic experimentation, but we got fish shows that like I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, that was completely unexpected even six to eight months ago. So yeah. uh, I, f- I feel really lucky right now, just looking back yeah. on the last two months of music that we've heard, three months of music yeah. we've heard. Totally. I agree. Um, and, you know, I think we, it doesn't make for great content, but like we're, we're, we're keep saying the same things, which is like, we really appreciate where we are. So that, that's like, I'll just yeah. keep thinking that. Um, thank you for doing this. And thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, I hope it lives up to people's expectations. You know, we're, it's like, it seems easier than it actually is for me to articulate what's going on with this band right now. Like yesterday, the fishnet review I was writing, it took me a long time. So I was like, yeah. I don't really know what to say, um, which is kind of part of the beauty of it, you know? Well, and just to keep listeners guessing, I mean, we have riddled this with hints yeah. about what's going to happen in our next episode. So you mm-hmm. just talk amongst mm-hmm. yourselves and try to figure out where we dropped hints, where they were. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's going to be so epic. It's going to be so epic, guys. <laughs> We're going to do a brand new podcast with all new material. (laughs) Well, RJ, thank you so much for tuning in and hanging with me. Um, This was awesome. Thank you. This will, uh, for anyone listening, this will come out tomorrow as a podcast. Uh, You guys will hear this. And then um, I think we're back next week for one final wrap up of fish 2021 thus far uh, on a weekly HF pod standpoint. Um, We will be back with, I think we're going to try to do some of these live shows in between here and uh, MSG run. And then um, we'll kind of keep yep. you all posted as uh, HF pod on tour comes back. If you guys like it, uh, like comment on um, wherever you get your podcasts, you know, write to the podcasting guys so that your God say that you want uh, HF pod on tour as a regular feature for you. And uh, we'll see what we can do. Could happen. It could happen. Could happen. Thanks, Brian. Thanks everybody for watching and listening. Thank you, RJ. Travel safe. We'll talk soon. All right, brother. music fans we wanted to let you know about music on the mountain a show that will feature anders osborne dogs in a pile and saints and liars this show will be directly after the divided sky foundation's fun run at 2 p.m on saturday may 18th at the base of akimo mountain in ludlow vermont the show is presented by the phoenix a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's Fun Run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. 
That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs> 